0: The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Many individuals try to find success on a daily basis. But what defines this success? Where does it come from? When you find a passion in your life and pursue this passion, everything can come together to form success. This is Taking Care of Business with David Wallach. Our guests will motivate you to take the next step to your success. Now, here's your host, David Wallach.
1: Good morning, you all. Great to be back uh, with you, our listeners, and great to be home in Calgary. Uh, our first episode last week uh, was an introduction of myself, your host, and what the series Taking Care of Business is all about, meeting, interviewing, and learning from successful entrepreneurs in different industries. My guest today is Tanya Ackland. Good morning, Tanya.
2: Good morning, David. Uh,
1: thank you for hosting us in your nice office here. Um, let me share with you some of Tanya's bio. Tanya Eklund was the top female agent in the city of Calgary in 2016 based on closed transactions. She is the leader of the Tanya Eklund Group, the number one team at the number one Remax office in the world. Tanya's over 16 years journey as a dedicated licensed real estate agent specializing in purchase and sale of properties in the Calgary area has given her a wealth of experience and knowledge. Tanya has also started len- a lending company, which offers short-term financing to real estate industry and small businesses. She plays an active role in her city with various non and she's a member of the Calgary Economic Development Real Estate Advisory Committee. Last, however, not least, married to Chad and a mother of two two gorgeous daughters. Once again, Tanya, good morning.
2: Good morning, David.
1: Um, I would like to start with some personal uh, questions. Uh, let our audience uh, get to know you better before we jump into uh, business. Sure. Um, so, you know, where are you from? Because nobody in Calgary is originally from Calgary. <laughs>
2: That's very true. I grew up in a small uh, central Alberta town called Watasquin and uh, I grew up on an acreage there in a farming community.
1: And uh, how big was that small town? Uh, describe a little bit of the yes. life uh, life in a small town uh, 20 years ago.
2: Well, it's very small. Uh, the closest town was Wetaskiwin, and it was about 13,000 people that lived there. And uh, I grew up 14 miles southeast of there and went to a small country school. In fact, from K to 9, we had about 95 kids. That school is no longer even open. And uh, every day I took the school bus, like many kids do, except when you got onto my bus, you could smell pigs and chickens and <laughs> the farm life that was you know living around me. <laughs> so,
1: so did you guys have any livestock or any farm uh, life or just lived in on acreage?
2: Just lived on the acreage. My grandfather was a, a, a farmer and had you know cows and uh, um, a lot of land that they harvested every year but uh, we grew up just on an acreage with a cat or two.
1: And uh, you know, growing in a small town. My, my wife is also from a small hamlet, so uh, she always tells me that at age five, she said to her parents, "I'm not staying here." How, what did you feel growing up in a small town?
2: I felt trapped, especially when I, you know, was about thirteen or fourteen, and and you know, then into high school, and then I got a vehicle fairly quickly and worked so I could afford the vehicle, and uh, had some freedom, and was very excited to leave the small town and go to the big city where I eventually attended university. City.
1: By the way, uh, you mentioned getting a vehicle. Was it uh, your parents that encouraged you because they didn't want to drive you anymore like <laughs> we do today? Or, or it was your initiative?
2: Oh, I think it was my initiative. I I needed some freedom. I was sick of taking the bus, and I was really cool at 16 years old as well. So I was too cool to take the bus.
1: I see. Yes. By the way, you're still cool. Oh, uh, well, good, good,
2: good.
1: Um, and then, you know, you, you graduate, you finish your high school, and, and then what?
2: Right. Well, then I attended a, a small university uh, called Augustana University. It used to be a Lutheran college, and then it, it uh, they, they turned it into a university. And I took general studies my first year, and then I transferred to the University of Alberta in Edmonton and moved to, to the big city, thriving Metropolitan of Edmonton, right. and uh, thought I wanted to be a lawyer, and I just pursued my undergrad degree. And uh, then real estate presented itself in Calgary, which was three hours away.
1: Oh, you just jumped for um, that's <laughs> Going <laughs> to Edmonton to Calgary uh, that's a big change
2: yeah in a short period of time and I always said if opportunity knocks then you know I'll go and get my education and I wanted to become a lawyer and I'll, I'll do that but if something else comes along the way I'm, I'm going to take it I was never a really a academic book smart person I had to really study uh, really hard and I would still get average grades
1: <laughs> so did you get your degree
2: I didn't I left university because real estate presented itself in Calgary and I needed a break I had gone through three straight years of university and summer school and I was working at the same time and uh, so it was a lot and
1: uh, so let me Get it straight. You went to uh, University of Alberta in Edmonton. Yes. And you took uh, three years of general studies. Yes. And then you came to Calgary on a vacation or a summer <laughs> work or. Uh, how did the opportunity present itself?
2: Uh, my, my it was my close friend in high school uh, was living in Calgary and she was dating a fellow whose brother was and still is uh, a, a realtor at my brokerage. And I, I met with him, she set it up and uh, I, I drove down and met with Joel and in an hour, I was convinced that you know I could do it and he was convincing that I could do it. He was very encouraging. And so I packed up, I left school, I canceled. I don't even think I had finished that semester. I was just very disenchanted. And uh, law isn't cracked up to be as glamorous as it, as it really is. I later <laughs> learned in life. And so I moved to Calgary to pursue something that might be, uh, well, might give me a little bit more freedom and independence.
1: Before, you, before we move uh, to Calgary, I have one question uh, coming from someone who, uh, you know, I, you, you almost uh, finished three years. I finished three days in university before I quit. <laughs> um I know how Jewish parents react <laughs> when you leave school, <laughs> you leave university. How does how did your parents
2: They were very, to it? very supportive. And I, I I think that they believed in me. And I I'm confident that no matter what I would do, I was their little girl, but that they really believed in me and that whatever I would do, I would be a success. Mm-hmm. Now I don't believe they ever doubted that. And so they were very encouraging. And uh, not once did they, you know, give it a negative spin or express their concern.
1: Uh, you, you mentioned you were the little girl, so I guess you have brothers and sisters, siblings. Yes,
2: yeah. I have one brother, Corey, and he's eight years older and also resides in Calgary.
1: I see. And what, is, what does he do?
2: He is in the tile industry. Okay. Yeah, so he owns a tile company.
1: And your parents, did they own their business or they worked for No. Uh, Big yeah. corporations? Neither. You
2: know. Neither. My dad was an evangelical minister for years and uh, fixed typewriters years and years and years ago. And I think he's out of job, right? <laughs> I think he is. And then he became a psychiatric nurse and worked on the brain injury unit in Pinocchio for, I think, around 25 years. And my mother was a pediatric nurse and retired many years ago. So they were both in the nursing industry. I
1: see. And uh, were they supportive of you going on your own and becoming an independent kind of uh, business?
2: Very much so. I I truly do believe that they just thought that I would take the right path with whatever that was. And I think my happiness was the most important. So my parents have always been extremely encouraging of anything that I've ever done. Maybe not all the guys that I brought home but uh, to that I dated, but definitely career-wise they were.
1: Mm-hmm. So... You finish three years or almost finished three years. Uh, you meet someone that makes a big impact on you, and you decide to move to a bigger city than Edmonton to Calgary. Mm-hmm. How was that move?
2: It, you know, it was sixteen years ago, and and I I remember driving back and forth on the highway every weekend because I still had a um, a weekend job. I was work. I was bartending actually in Edmonton, and it was really good money. And so I would. I would live here during the week I stayed on my uncle's couch and I took the course and then drove back home to Edmonton to work on the weekends and then would drive back up
1: the course you made the real estate course yeah the
2: real estate course and uh, so I recall that I was just, it was a lot. I remember it was very daunting and not only was I starting a new career, but it was in a new city where I had no sphere of influence. I, my mother has 12 siblings, she's the oldest of 13, and so I did have some family here. But I think it was just real estate was presented to me in a way that it was a very difficult career, it's very competitive, but that it, it would allow me freedom, certain freedoms that I wouldn't have working any nine to five job, whether I was a janitor, a lawyer, a, a clerk, and and freedom was always something that was really important to me, maybe because I did grow up in the country. and looking back, I had a lot of freedom. And so it was it was very alluring to me, and I, I think that that's why I decided to take the leap.
1: And um, you you kind of jumped into a new industry, in a new city. Uh, you're a little bit younger than today, uh, or much younger. Um, so the first steps, what did you do? How did you kind of decide that this is what you do? And how did you decide which office to go with? And, and where to kind of make your first phone call?
2: Mm-hmm. Well, I decided to, I, I did interview some brokerages, and I decided to join up with Joel Simmons Brokerage, who was the fellow that kind of encouraged me, and I thought, if I'm going to be the best, I want to work with the best, and Remax Central, at that time, that it was the first year uh, that they were the number one Remax office in the world, and so I thought, if I'm going to be with the best, I want to learn from the best, and so it was one of the more expensive brokerages to join up with, but I, I thought, I don't care. I'm going to I'm gonna do this, and uh, I joined up with a gal there for about six months, and then decided to go out and, and really test the water on my
1: own and uh, the rest is history and
2: the rest is history
1: perfect Uh, it's great to see a success story like like yours um, and uh, especially that I come from the same industry and and I know exactly what it takes Um, you know during uh, the course of the last 16 years or even before um, any other people that influenced your kind of career or life uh, except of Joel.
2: Joel, yeah. I think not maybe prior, just, to, I mean, really having the support of my family was really important, um, but I didn't really have anyone entrepreneurial in my family, Um you know, I, I did have a couple of uncles who had their own businesses, but no immediate family. And so I, I think the encouragement, again, just came from the people that I had met in real estate and seeing the freedoms that they had. Uh, being a, And at the time, I mean, I wasn't thinking about children, but I remember looking at some of the realtors that had kids that would be able to be really interactive in their lives uh, because they weren't working nine to five. The travel was a really big factor for me. I love to travel. I always have. I've traveled since a young age, uh, basically you know started traveling in university and so i i would talk to realtors and see all the travel that they were doing and the places that they were able to go for three four weeks at a time and i know uh you know at that time i did want to take some larger trips and so that was very enticing and very motivating for me to to kind of do well
1: Um, you know You did your course about 16 years ago. Yes. I did mine about 17 and a half, something like that. And I remember I was the only person in my course that said I'm going commercial. Mm. I had 35 people say we're going residential. And what I realized that is none of them have a clue what to do the next morning after the course (laughs) is over. So how did you start? What was your, Mm -hmm. the first day after you got your license Mm -hmm. at 20 years old, What did you do? Like, how did you start getting your feet wet and, and, you know, hands in the mud?
2: Well, I remember I walked into my brokerage and the owner, who's still the owner, Pat Hare, and he had a partner at the time, Paul Mayer. I wanted to be on a team and Pat took me into his office and I'm 20 and, you know, I hadn't really had to dress for any professional career and he looks at me and he's like, well, I can't put you with any of my my married men, he said. (laughs) He's like, so we're going to have to find another arrangement. Remember him telling me that. So he he found a gal that was, uh, you know, a little bit older than me, but needed some help. And I started with Sally, and Sally was great. She was a very good mentor. And I I think I was with Sally for about six months, and who's still a friend in my brokerage today. And, uh, you know, he went out on appointments with her and dropped lock boxes off and feature sheets and kind of did some of the, the work that one would expect when you start in any industry. And, uh, and then after a six month period, not that I felt that I had it, you know, I knew it all. But I I thought, you know what, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try this on my own, I, I had my own techniques, and I wanted to do things a certain way. And so I thought the only way to be able to do that would be to go out on my own and try that. And so I did. And uh, I had never, from that point forward, I never, you know, teamed up with anyone else, except when I started my own team about six, seven years later.
1: And you like freedom and you like to be your yes, own boss.
2: Yes, absolutely.
1: I see. And, and uh, you know, when you kind of decided to go on your own six months in, you uh, how did you do that? Did you set up goals? Did you, you know, had a big list of people to call? Mm-hmm. Uh, what were the first steps that you said? Okay, now <laughs> I'm on my own. I don't have Sally anymore. Yes. I have to make it. I have to pay the bills. I have to yeah. pay rent. I have to pay for gas for to go to Edmonton to make money over yeah. the weekend because I'm not making money in real estate. Yeah, the first so few true. from the first few months. So. What was the process you took?
2: Well, Pat Hare was kind of a father to me when I started. And I can just hear him saying, you know, Tanya, you have to make a decision. I'd like to see you at the office Monday through Friday, starting at 830 and cold calling till 1230. I still remember him saying that. So I did that. I, I I, didn't know what else to do. So I showed up at the office every morning at 8.30 and opened up the phone book and started at A and really cold called people. And I, I think I probably got to K in about a seven-year period of cold calling. <laughs> and uh, the industry has changed so much and it's evolved. At the time, for sale by owners uh, weren't you know, allowed to go on our multiple listing system. And so I would contact for sale by owners who were trying to sell on their own and offer them something of value. You and get myself in the door in hopes that when they couldn't sell on their own, that they would list with me. I called expired listings, so people who had not a lot of luck with their one one realtor, and uh, and you know I would get into the door and sell myself, and and so it was expired listings for sale by owners, cold calling. And uh, that's really how I started my, my real estate journey.
1: So basically, Real Estate 101?
2: Real Estate 101. And, and it was really the grunt work that nobody wants to do. And it's not, that is not glamorous. And a lot of people aren't prepared to do that. And I was because I was hungry. And I think the fear of failure, uh, really a large part, you know, I moved to this city and uh, I had student loan from university. And I remember one month, which was the only time in my entire life I had to ask anyone for money. I had to call up my dad back in 2000 and and ask him for $1,000 to pay my rent. And uh, I think I hung up the phone. Well, I don't think I Did you pay him back? I did. I paid okay. him back You're within a couple months <laughs> later. But I remember hanging up the phone two or three times because it was a pride thing. I didn't want them to think I had failed. And uh, but he gave it to me, and two, three months later, I had paid it back.
1: Oh, that's that's great.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so you start your career, you start cold calling, you do uh, what we call real estate 101. Is it just real estate, or is it every sales? job that has to do the same
2: oh i'm sure it's every sales job i don't think it matters what to, it's sales it is sales 101 it's not real estate 101
1: uh we're back here uh with tanya and um you know we were talking about uh your decision to start your own uh team
2: mm-hmm. and we be,
1: become a team leader yes um and you said that you were at, at a certain point you felt that you are doing everything uh as a kind of a lone wolf mm-hmm. uh you're a VP of sales you're a VP of uh <laughs> financing you're a VP of marketing yes. and a VP of of HR yes. and you're the only HR and and so six or seven years ago, you mentioned?
0: You yeah, started it was, your own. It
2: was, well, it was actually about six or seven years into real estate. And uh, and so I, trial and error, realized I didn't need another agent. I wasn't doing enough business yet, but I needed a full-time administrator. And so I hired a full-time administrator. And it was a big decision because at that time, I was probably paying her, I think, 45000 a year. And so that was taking out of my pocket. Um, and so it's hard as a, as a business owner because you're very short-sighted sometimes And you say, well, it's costing me this much. But in reality, within a six month period, I could see that it it really helped me, you know, my business and helped my business take off because I was then putting my time into things that were actually making me money versus doing paperwork.
1: And um, so you started a recruiting process, which is not an easy process, especially with salespeople.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Um, How many failures did you have?
2: Well, probably five or six. Yeah, which for, you know, a very small business, sole owner, that's a lot of failure (laughs) within, you know, a two or three year period, especially when you have to train everybody. And uh, so I, I, you know, over a, a course of two or three years, I really found out the type of person I needed, the personality, kind of more of the fit and finish that my business was looking for
1: so basically you took this failure as as a learning curve and not as you know disappointing point of view that oh i can't do it or it's i don't find i cannot find the right person and and today tell us about your team today
2: so today which I which is
1: almost like miss universe if you yeah. look at their <laughs> the, uh, I website i only
2: hire attractive women no um it's been a really great so I journey. Can't apply. No, unfortunately, I can't you can't apply. David. Okay. You cannot apply. Uh, so, we have four agents and uh, three admin, and I've decided to keep it what I would call boutique. I don't want to have 20 agents and I'm managing people because my passion is selling real estate and my passion is real estate Mm -hmm. and you know there are some very large teams out there who have had great success and they have you know 20-25 agents on their team and that's not what we're looking to accomplish and I, uh, I don't need to manage the team I have they manage themselves and they don't work for me they work for their clients and that's very important.
1: Uh, Well, I think that we all work for our clients Um, and uh, so basically today you are kind of a salesperson, a saleswoman that sells on your own and you're also a team leader so you're kind of a mentor. Mm -hmm. Um, How do you enjoy mentoring?
2: I really enjoy mentoring. Uh, There's a good chance, you know, one day if, and when I retire, I would probably just mentor. It's a passion of mine because when I started out, I, I didn't really have a mentor per se. Um, You know, I was with a gal for six months and she mentored me, but after that I was, I was really on my own. And now looking back, it would be something that when I, you know, if I were to go back and start over that I would probably get early on is find a mentor.
1: And, uh, you know you mentioned uh, we mentioned earlier in your bio that uh, your your team is the number one team in in the number one office so uh, coming we're just we just started 2017 how do you Uh, prepare yourself for a new year? Is there a process that you go through, goal setting? Is there a process that you sit with each and every individual and go about their plan? Is it a company? Is it a group plan? How does it work?
2: Oh, we just sit in a circle and sing Kumbaya. No.
1: (laughs) That's awesome. Uh, Maybe I should apply it in my office.
2: No. No. you know what I do personal goal setting and business goal setting every year usually on vacation in December and as a team we do meet um once every couple of months mm-hmm. I I approach my team very differently and we do have you know our set of core values we have done a business model um I'm very encouraging to my girls but I don't sit down and say to them you know if you if you're not doing 3 deals a month you're off the team because frankly I wouldn't have the girls that I have on my team if I set those goals so So I take a more laid back, lax approach and um, they will do as much business as they want to do. And I believe that for the people on my team, that has been uh, a really good choice. I believe that if I would have put too many um, criteria in front of them, that I may not have them. And so I believe that you should lead by example. And uh, I try to do that instead of saying you must do this or you need to do this.
1: And is there a competition within the team, like a friendly competition? I don't
2: know. Funny enough, there isn't. Um, I am very competitive. Uh, not really? within. <laughs> my husband, if he's listening, will, will be laughing. Um, I'm not competitive within my team, and I, I don't think the girls are either. I've actually never thought of them that way. That's an interesting question. They're each their own individual, and they each bring something very different to the team. So, no, I wouldn't say it's a competitive environment at all.
1: Or maybe you're not aware of it. Uh,
2: maybe I'm not aware of it. That could be. Maybe, they, maybe there's little... So no little-
1: one wants to be Tanya <laughs> in a certain year.
2: No, I don't think so. Well, I want
1: to meet them Because they don't want later. to work as much as me. Yeah, I want to meet them later and discuss this. Uh, going back to what you said a few uh, seconds ago about uh, your core values. Um, you know, I was surfing your website, uh, your LinkedIn, mm-hmm. And what I've noticed is that on your LinkedIn account, you have your mission and vision statements. However, you don't have it on the team's website. Hmm. And um, so it can be a, mm-hmm. someone forgot to put it, but is it, is it your mission vision or is it the team's mission vision that we, that you kind of promote on your LinkedIn?
2: Yeah, no, it's definitely the teams, and and as is our core values, and we went through our core values. Um, you know, we actually have them hanging on our wall, and and we Sue sends them to us all the girls once a month to remind them. We actually had our mission and vision statement on our website, and probably about two years ago, and we we took it off. Right. And Um.
1: Why is it important to have it on LinkedIn and not on your website?
2: Well, it's not that it's not important. And, uh, you know, why we took it off, I think when people contact us and they use us, they will, you know, understand how we run our business and what we're about. And I think it goes back to leading by example. And uh, I truly believe that because words are great. Just like we took our client testimonials off. You can find anyone to say something good about you. Right. And so I believe when people use you and they they see you and see what you're about and see what you do and see the kind of service that you offer, that is so much more uh, speaks louder to them than, than words on a website or on a page.
1: Um, going back to uh, or staying with the mission vision, um, you know, you're... Four people team, right? Mm-hmm. And there's always, uh, I think that every organization you join, uh, whether it's tech, Vistage, EO, um, people talk about the mission, vision mm-hmm. and importance. And sometimes we say, well, you know, I'm a small office. I don't need it. Mm-hmm. Why, why do you think it's important for for every office or to have the mission, vision, uh, the core values? Mm-hmm. Uh, from your experience, from the, the, the path you have uh, path you have gone through over the years, why do you think it's important? Why did you do it?
2: I think it sets the culture for your business. And not every business has a culture. And I think that when you create core values and a mission and a vision statement, it allows the people on your team and in your business um, to really have a sense of belonging and what that culture and team is about. And because we do review our core values once a month, I, I think it's a good reminder for everybody on my team, my admin, my agents, in, in how the Tanya Eklund Group runs and how we should treat our clients mm-hmm. and that the day-to-day decisions that we make can impact our clients and how we react to decisions. And uh, you know, one of our core values is just you know, the, the availability that we have to our clients and the service that we provide. Um, and we really do, we have a client survey after every client that I do not do, I, uh, Sue from my office does and there's four questions that we ask. And I really believe that on the feedback that we get from all of the, the questionnaires that it, it really aligns with our core values.
1: Uh, Perfect. So um, you mentioned earlier that uh, you had uh, five or six failures in hiring people Mm -hmm. and uh, you've learned from it. Mm -hmm. Um, If you look back now, 16 and a half years uh, to the beginning of your career and everything you went through over the last 16 years plus...
4: visit the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market.
3: Are you finding your frequency?
4: Today's Hot Topics.
0: You are tuned into Taking Care of Business with David Wallach. To reach the program today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to dvwallach at gmail.com. That's d-i-v-i-wallach at gmail.com. Now, back to this week's show.
1: So, Tanya, we were talking about uh, mistakes that uh, you either learned from them, uh, you didn't repeat them, uh, and you, in hindsight, maybe think today, I could have avoided Mm -hmm. them. So, one or two examples. So, the next entrepreneur that listens to us would Mm -hmm. not make those mistakes.
2: Well, I had no uh, previous experience in running a business or education in that. And so, looking back... Probably one of the main uh, topics that I would discuss would be systems. I had no systems in place anywhere in my life. Uh, I hadn't goal. I did no. I had no previous experience in goal setting. I had no previous experience in running a company. I had no previous experience in even starting a client database. And so looking back, I would have hired a coach earlier on to help put systems in place in my life because I think it would have propelled me uh, into success quicker than, than how long that it took me. And I probably would have made less mistakes. Uh, um, retained more clients had I had those systems in place.
1: Do you have a coach today, a business coach today? I do.
2: Yes, I do. And I believe in, in coaching. I believe in mentorship. I've changed up my business coach throughout the years. Uh, I believe it's like skin products. You Your skin gets used to skin products every year or two, so it's good to switch them up. And With, so, I no yeah, fear. I know, it's true. Um, and so I do that in all areas on my life. I do that in marketing companies. I do that in the type of advertising I do. Uh, I do that in business coaching. And uh, I, I think that bringing a fresh perspective to different avenues of your life on a yearly or every two years uh, basis is really important.
1: You also mentioned uh, in our pre-interview uh, today that uh, you're part of an organization called uh, EO.
2: Yes. So EO is an international organization. It stands for Entrepreneurial Organization. There's YPO, Young Presidents Organization, and uh, it's basically a a group of entrepreneurs in our city from all different uh, areas of business. And uh, we join a forum, and there's ten, ten, other, 10 total in my forum, nine others. And we, we, we meet once a month and we go through struggles in our businesses. It could be growth, it could be cash flow, it could be employees, it could be personal things going on in our lives. And so it's really peer to peer mentorship. And I've been in EO, I think, for about six years now, and in my same forum for six years.
1: And uh, the feedback that you get there is uh, important for your uh, life, for running your business. Mm-hmm. What do you get? What's the most value you get from the, being a member of the EO?
2: I think the most value that I get is uh, the um, when you're with other entrepreneurs that have similar lifestyles with you, to you, I should say, uh, you feed off of them. So we have a really positive group of people and they're in such interesting businesses and very different businesses than I do. Um, many have very, um, difficult challenges and obstacles, but very, uh, you know, opposite of what my business faces. And so we learn from each other and I think just the, uh, variety of businesses and, uh, it's peer to peer mentorship, I believe is very valuable when your peers are, are equal to you.
1: Um, I want to kind of uh, switch topic, uh, but stay with uh, with the business. And uh, uh, you mentioned uh, in your previous answer the word processes, mm-hmm. and um, I think you're the queen of social media in our, <laughs> at least in our city. Uh, and uh, I would like to kind of tap into this. How important do you see social media? Because I see you now on LinkedIn, on Instagram, on Facebook. Um, and to be honest you know being an old school i'm not so uh, tech savvy or or social media savvy but how important it is for the business and and what do you get out of it
2: So important. Uh, It goes back to even when I started 16 years ago. I mean, for no one had a website. I think I was one of the first people in our office at 20 years old to have a website, and we still had a thick book where all of the listings were put into this book once a month. And so the way that we do business has just evolved extremely quickly, even over the last two to three years, and where people are finding information and how information is accessible, and you have to keep up with the times, and if you don't you will fall behind and your success will lag, I believe. And so social media has become an integral uh, part of our business and a very, very uh, important part of our business and how we run our business and how people can contact us and the information that people can find on our on our listings and uh what people can find out about us as a group
1: so out of the twitter facebook linkedin uh, is there anything else i'm missing your website yeah. where do you get most traffic most uh, feedback um, maybe get clients from mm-hmm. which one is the kind of the one number one that jumps to your mind as the lead in, in generating generation generating leads for you
2: it's hard to pinpoint one, David, because I believe everything works together. It's like when people um, ask me and and some of the people I mentor, they say, well, what works best for advertising? And I say, it's not one thing. Um, They are, they, they provide a synergy when used together. And I mean, Facebook was definitely the leading form of social media for quite some time. And then there's Instagram and there's Snapchat, which I'm not even on, but I believe that it all works together. I don't think that just doing one thing is enough and that even comes down to our marketing you know we don't just do one thing we do a little bit of it all so people they have no choice but to see us whether it's at the grocery store or at the gym or walking on the street or driving through a community and so we believe in being top of mind and I I I believe that that means you're everywhere
1: Okay. I see. By the way, uh, I have to thank you because uh, your social media really helped me achieve every man's dream. I got <laughs> yesterday an email that uh, a bunch of women are, are following me.
2: Yay! I got an email
1: that uh, women in business are following me now. High five. Unfortunately, that's Unfortunately, it's David. only on Twitter, but uh, <laughs> I'm okay with that. Uh, that's a good start.
2: That's a great start. <laughs>
1: um, I want to chat about something that I found out about you.
2: Oh, okay. Okay.
1: Um, you're writing a book. Yes. You've started at least.
2: I've started.
1: And uh, you have a few chapters that already are in process. I
2: do. yes. And
1: I haven't had a chance to see that uh, yet. I'm <laughs> sure I'm, I'll be. Uh, I'll get to uh, review it before you publish oh, it.
2: Absolutely. Uh, h-
1: however, we'll talk about it after we come back from the break. Okay. Uh, uh, guys, open your new tab and a new tab and just. Check tanyacklundgroup.ca. It's a great website. Great to learn about Tanya and her team. Again, ww.taniaacklandgroup.ca. And we'll see you here or we'll meet you here the other half or the other side of the commercials.
4: We're on the cutting edge of social media.
3: Can you keep up? Are you finding your frequency? Fridays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. News. News. News.
0: News.
3: Opinions. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com.
0: tuned into taking care of business with david wallach to reach the program today please call one 866 472 that's one 472 5788 you may also send an email to wallach at gmail.com that's d-i-v-i wallach at gmail.com now back to this week's show
1: we're back here with uh, live with uh, Tanya Ackland. And uh, before we went on commercial break, uh, we kind of got into the subject of Tanya writing a book. Um, so tell us a little bit, share with us what uh, the book is all about and uh, when can we expect it? Now I'm putting you on the spot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: I told you, David, this is a work in progress. Rome was not built in a day. Uh, so when when I started it was really just my thoughts that I was putting down originally of of um, things that. I wasn't prepared for when I started a business and more mistakes that I had made. And really, it was business 101. It's not rocket science. It, we're, but, but when you're that young and you're thrown into a new world, it, it's just it's things that you have no idea. And looking back, I think, wow, I should have known that. And uh, and so it, it's really just a compilation of I don't want to say it's, you know, 15 steps, but it's things that any entrepreneur, whether uh, male or female Uh, or regardless of what age may not know if they've never been in a business before. And uh, you know, it's a, it's a a book that I will continue to work on. I would think in the next, you know, two, three, four years, I would have it finished, but I want there to be enough content where I can really provide uh, value to the reader.
1: How many chapters are already done? There's three,
0: three.
2: Yeah. And I still, I mean, I haven't, you
0: share a little bit. Yeah, I can share a little bit.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And uh, you know, Again, just really simplistic things. Uh, One of my chapters uh, speaks to my gray-haired advisors. And uh, they were more mentors. Yes, yes. Kind of like you, David. Kind of like you. (laughs) They were more mentors to me than business coaches. And uh, we would meet downtown every week to every other week, usually on a Friday. There were two really good Italian restaurants in Calgary uh, that are no longer with us. And we would meet and uh, they had gray hair. And they were uh, a lot more seasoned and knowledgeable than I was both business owners. And uh, so part of the book is finding your gray-haired advisor and what that looks like and what that means and what they might be able to offer you. And uh, one of the other chapters just speaks to preparation uh, with regards to how you actually set up a business and what that looks like. And uh, when I was 22 and got my first tax bill, 21 or 22, no one told me that I had to make uh, installments to the government. And uh, so it took me a about three four years to catch up in making tax installments but also repaying the taxes that I had owed for the prior year Uh, and so it's really just uh, some some simplistic principles that I think every business owner should know but probably people don't
1: I see and how are you enjoying writing a book
2: Well, right now, I love it, because it's really just putting my thoughts down. I think when it comes to the actual editing of it, and ensuring that the content is done properly, and that we're actually going to have people that want to read this book, that might be the less appealing part of it to me. But I really enjoy writing my thoughts down, because they are the things that I would tell someone, um, or do tell people when I mentor them in business.
1: Uh, Tanya in, in our opening, I mentioned that you are involved in a few non-profit mm-hmm. and how important is it for an entrepreneur that is so busy running their business, so being busy you know, growing their business, uh, making money, paying the government, how important, if at all, it is to be involved in charity, non-profit, uh, in the community you are a part of?
2: Oh, David! I believe it's extremely important, and philanthropy has always been a huge part of my life. Growing up, uh, my parents were big philanthropists in the time that they gave, and and money. Um, they were they're very giving people, and I think that that's something that uh, just carried forward with me. I'm I'm their child. It's probably in my blood, and I believe giving back, especially when you have been blessed in your life, is uh, it it it's a very important part, and. Uh, You know, when you can give back, whether it's of your finances or whether it's of your time, um, I believe that success allows you to do that. And I feel very blessed that I've been able to do that. And it's a a really great feeling. Um, I prefer to give than receive and because you can see the outcome and what it does for other people.
1: Um, You know, uh, one thing that uh, really uh, interests me is when I talk with people is... Who would they like to meet if they had an opportunity to meet a person, whether dead or, or alive, mm-hmm. um, someone that kind of in the history and, and in current, you know, times made makes an, a big impact on what they think and how they mm-hmm. see you. who will be your, on your list of people that you would like to meet
2: mm-hmm. well one of the the people that was on my bucket list who I was not able to just meet David but spend five days with him was Richard Branson and I had the opportunity to go to his island on Necker Island and he was there the entire almost the entire time and we got to eat with him and we got to sail with him and really got to know him and he was um, he was on my bucket list I had just had a baby I left my Firstborn, three and three years ago, almost to the day, and and left her for six days, and uh, that was very difficult. Who does a Chad? Yeah, yeah. Well, he was very. uh, He said, "No, I know Richards on your on your bucket list," and uh, that was just a really phenomenal uh, experience. It was very magical to be on his island, and I was there with twenty nine other entrepreneurs, and uh, that was uh, something that I'll never be able to emulate. So definitely he was on my bucket list and I was able to to meet him.
1: <laughs> uh, we're getting very close to the end of our uh, show here. And, um, you know, if we summarize everything that we discussed today, you summarize, sorry. Um, if you had, if I today would come to you and say, Tani, I want to open my business. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now that you are in a mentorship position and mm-hmm. you have the experience of running your team and you, you went through all that. Mm-hmm hoops and get it to becoming successful, what will be the two or three major or or main or important things that you entrepreneur Mm -hmm. to do or not to do?
2: Mm -hmm. Well, the main is uh, don't be scared or ashamed of mistakes, because mistakes that I've made and still make today uh, allow me to be successful. Um, And do I make the same mistake twice? I I hope not. But I look at all the mistakes that I've made in my business and looking back, uh, starting, no one wants to make mistakes. Everyone wants it to be smooth sailing and perfect. But that's not how we learn. We learn from doing and by doing, we will naturally make mistakes. And so the one piece of advice I would would give is be okay, get comfortable with making mistakes because that's going to allow you to grow and prosper and learn.
1: Uh, Tanya, Tanya, I want to thank you uh, it was really uh, very enjoyable and, and I've learned a lot about you and about uh, you know other people's business it, it's always great to uh, get uh, other people's experience um, we're getting to the end of our show today and um I have one thing that I have to mention today. It's a special day for one of my, the women in my, my life. Um, our youngest daughter, Shai, is 20 years old today. Oh, what a great day. Uh, it's her day. birthday, so happy birthday, Shai. Happy uh, birthday, uh, and Shai. We love, and we love you. Um, uh, I hope you guys enjoyed the show today. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, uh, check Tanya @group.ca. And, uh, you know, next week we're going to have John McInnes, our guest. Uh, he's a serial entrepreneur.
2: John's a great guy. Uh, Love John.
1: S- serial entrepreneur that uh, from a uh, homegrown business is now selling worldwide. And uh, I'm sure we'll have a lot to learn from John as well. So, again, Tanya, thank you for the thank coffee. Thank you, David. Thank you for hosting us. Thank you, Cassandra, for helping. And uh, I'll see you all guys here next week. Thank you and have a great day.
4: and management.